Well, hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to a second installment of Tuesday Church. It's such an incredible honor, and I'm truly humbled to be able to be here with you again this week. You know, uh, I, hopefully you had a wonderful time last week, but for the instructions for this week, let's do them again this week. If you would like to go get your Bible right now, we're going to give you a few moments as we talk and put down some preparations. But also get some notebooks, pencils or something so you can take some notes. We pray that this information will be beneficial to you, will help you initiating and strengthening your relationship with God. Remember last week we talked about that uh, Jesus did not come to give us a religion. He came to give us a relationship, something somewhat different. We are now the children of God. We are a family that works together. So we have now this intimate and organic relationship with God based on what Jesus has done. So last week we started a series entitled A Need for Life. A Need for Life. And we talked about the fact that when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden... And they were instructed not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for they would surely die. We know they ate. We know they did not die physically, but they did die spiritually. So the death that we've been talking about here is a death meaning the separation from God. They were separated from God. God would come down on the cooler today. They would talk. They would commune. All these great things would happen because of this sin, this breaking of the relationship. They died to that connection and now they have to depart the Garden of Eden. Their whole situation changed. Adam is now the father of all mankind. He's our father. That means everybody who's born physically is born under the lineage of Adam, meaning that we're all born as sinners because that's what our forefather Adam did. He sinned. We are now all born under that. So as sinners, that means we are born in a sense in death. We are born separated from God because of our sin. But man, do we serve an incredible God? He decided not to let that always be the case. For he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, which is Jesus. So what did Jesus do? Well, if you came across when Jesus did this with Lazarus, Lazarus had died. So when Jesus comes along, Jesus is going to bring Lazarus back to life. But he has to do two things. First, he has to take care of or heal or transform whatever killed Lazarus in the first place. And then he would resurrect him. If he just resurrected him and Lazarus still suffered from whatever killed him the first time, he would just die again. I hope you understand that. God understood that with us. He knew that sin separated us from him and caused us death. So when he wanted to renew us or to reconcile us, he had a two-part prong uh, situation to give us that would make our lives renewed to him. Follow me. He had to give us new life. But he also had to pay for our sins, which separated us in the first place. If he doesn't take care of both of those, then we would be apt to sin again, then die again because of that situation. I pray, God, you understand that today. So we'll get involved a bit today and maybe answer that and reinforce that concept for you so you can understand. So are you ready to have some fun? 
I know I am. This is a pretty exciting time for me. I pray God it's an exciting time for you. We're going to start with our same base verse that we used last week. And again, we're talking about a need for life. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 14 and 15. Again, I'll be reading from the message translation. So whatever translation you have, I think you can follow along pretty good. But I wanted to make sure that we have this established thought. So let's get, let's get at it. Let's get it ready. Let's get it on. It says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. Now, I just want to talk about that for a second. Our firm decision to work from this focused center. What is this center? What is this focused concept or idea? I want you to know, you could put it in your notes. The finished work of Christ. Not the almost done work of Christ. Not the to be done work of Christ. But the finished work of Christ. When John the Baptist seen Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, when he died on the cross, took away the sins. He paid for them. Finished work. But he's not done yet because sin is still prevalent in the earth. So he had to pay for the thing that caused us to die, right? So he had to break the back of death. So on the third day, he resurrected. So when he resurrects, he breaks the back of death, therefore gives us life. So he cures both parts. He cures the sin that caused us death, and then he gives us eternal life. John, excuse me, Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Death, life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So God had to take care of this situation on both prongs, on two, two, both sides to make sure that we have eternal, eternal meaning forever. I hope you understand that. Let's, let's move on. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. There we go again. Life, death, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on our own. So he came to give us the opportunity to live a better life. To live a more exciting life. Last week we talked about John chapter 10 verse 10. I think Pastor Joe also used this verse this weekend. Or this past weekend. The enemy comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And have it to the full. Or some translations say have it abundantly. So he came that we would have life. When? Right now. Because Our heavenly existence is already taken care of. He wanted us to be able to enjoy our life right here. He says that to us so we would be able to have that spiritual experience with him because what happened? He died to pay the price that kept us separated from God, which means we were reconciled. Then he gave us his life, which is eternal. So when are we supposed to enjoy this? Like right now, even right in the midst of a pandemic. Right in the midst of suffering. In Romans it says suffering now produces. 
it now produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, character, hope. See, the whole concept of suffering has changed now because of what Christ has done. We can actually have tough times in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That doesn't mean we don't have concern or we don't pay close attention to things, but we have to have this comforting fact of knowing that we are the children of God, that Jesus created a space for us to now live in that we can have life to the full or have it more abundantly. I hope this is, you know, helping you out a little bit today. Let's read Romans chapter five and see if we can continue in this frame and make sure we understand the need for life. Romans chapter five, verse nine says, since we have now been justified again, we Christians mess up the tenses pretty good, don't we? (laughs) We mess up the future tense and the present tense and the past tense. Well, listen to me. When God wrote his B-I-B-L-E to us, he's writing in a way that covers the past tense covers the future tense, but allows us to live in peace in the present tense. So listen closely. Since we have now been justified. When were you justified? Right now. Whenever you accepted Jesus Christ, Jesus paid your sin debt. He paid to God what you owed and could not pay. So since Jesus paid that, you are now justified. You have received justice. (laughs) You have been set free from what you owed before. So since we have now been justified, how? By his blood shed on the cross. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So wait a minute. I've been justified because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now I'll be saved from God's wrath. So I don't have to look forward to a time of wrath from God. I don't have to look forward to a time of separation again from God because that has been paid for. It's now mine. Usually the problem with us, though, is it's hard for us to accept that because we didn't do it. It's hard for us to accept something that God did for us in spite of us. That's what he meant when he said he loved the world. That he was going to do something that didn't require our participation other than to accept the plan that he has laid out for us. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Let's read the rest of this next verse. It says, for if... While we were God's enemies. Now, you know what an enemy is. That's a person that is fighting against you, that doesn't respect who you are, that's trying to destroy you. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So when Jesus died for us, reconciliation was completed. Meaning that the two foreign partners or enemies have now come together. Their relationship has been restored. I need you to get this, brothers and sisters. I need you to know. Because I know there's so many of us who really think that I'm separated from God. There's something that I've done that I'll never be able to recover. 
I'll never be able to get myself right with God. I'll never be able to accomplish this. Can I tell you a secret? You're right. You never will. Not on your own. But hear me. You have now been justified. You are already justified. You accept the plan that God has laid out for you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what it means by grace. His unmerited favor. His undeserved kindness for us. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We need life. And now we have life. What kind of life? Eternal life. We now have access to peace. To joy, to happiness, to, to patience. We have access to those fruits of the Spirit because one, we live in a tri, we believe in a triune God and we know in Galatians it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We now have access to those things. Why? Because we've been reconciled. We've been resurrected to a new life. We now have access to life. We have access to what God has provided for us. I pray, God, you're understanding me today and really take advantage of this. You know, salvation means rescue from destruction. The Greek word would be sozo. It means rescued from destruction and brought into divine safety. Rescued from destruction and brought into divine safety. Who did that? God did. So again, on the cross, Jesus is about to take all of the sins of the world. Jesus says, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he knows what has happened. Sin has separated him from his father and he's never, ever been separated from his father. He had never sinned. He was sinless. But what did Jesus do? He took on the sins of the world. And where sins are, God cannot be. But Jesus took on those sins and then he died. So he paid the price for us that we couldn't pay. Then he was buried. But God, again, is not done with the plan because he wants us to be reconciled, but also to have eternal life in heaven, but also in the earth. So what happens? They bury Jesus in a tomb. <laughs> Roll a stone put a cord across it to make sure that a seal to make sure that if it's broken, they know somebody snuck in there. They did all of those things, but he rose, didn't he? He broke the back of both physical death, but also spiritual death. He paid the price that physical death will never hold us, but he also paid the price that spiritual death, meaning separation from God, will never hold us. You need to be celebrating right now. You need to be happy right now to know what is actually yours. Let's go to another verse and see if this will help us really begin to understand the totality of what God has done. John chapter 5 reads as follows. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words, who listens to my message and believes and trusts in 
and clings to and relies on him who sent me has possessives now, right now, eternal life. Oh, Pastor Ben, are you crazy? No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Because you believed in God, because you believed that his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection was a complete plan that solved the problem of what caused us to die, but also solved the problem that gives us eternal life. And you possess that right now. How? Because you believe that Jesus has provided it for you. Do you believe that today? Do you truly believe that you went from one place to another because of what Jesus did? Oh, don't, don't, don't answer yet. Let's read the rest of the verse. It says, who sent me has possesseth now eternal life. And he does not come into. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. And he does not come into judgment, nor, excuse me, does not incur sentence of judgment, will not come under condemnation but has already already passed over from death into life why because we believe in jesus you have passed over from death into life what does that mean you no longer have to live in fear of judgment day you no longer have to be in fear of condemnation you no longer have to be in fear of guilt because the things that brought about guilt the things that brought about shame the things that brought about condemnation jesus paid for so what do we do we join him in his death and then we join him in his resurrection when do we do that during baptism Baptism symbolizes us joining Jesus in his death. We are buried under the ground or under the water. And then when we're brought back up, we are resurrected a brand new person. But listen, there was a spiritual baptism that took place before the physical one was done. And at that time, you passed over from death to life. Again, life meaning connection, reconciliation with God, eternal life, both in heaven and right now. We say, well, Pastor Ben, are you telling me I'll live forever? Nobody does physically. But when Jesus comes back, he'll take a change and make our bodies different. But for right now, you don't have to live every day in fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm saying this to the brothers and sisters who have been kind of pushed down and pushed to the back of the room. And, you know, you run into those Christians that are kind of like phantom Christians. You know, the ones whose feet don't touch the ground. You know, they just walk around with a halo all the time. And they try to impress upon you just how good they are because they think what they do has made God happy. I'm here to tell you today that God evened the playing field. He did it so no man could boast that our reconciliation, our eternal life, all comes through Jesus Christ. It comes from us accepting him. And he did it that way so no man could boast. So I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, don't lower your head. Pick your shoulders up. Step forward and come do the great work that God has called you to do. Why? Because you were dead. You've now passed over to life. And he said he came that you would have life and have it abundantly. It's time to really live for the glory of God.
It's time to really be excited about what God has provided for you. If that's not enough, we got a couple more verses that we're going to go to. Hopefully, this makes sense to you. Hopefully, this is, this is happening for you. And hopefully, you're at home right now going, go ahead, Pastor Ben. Preach. Teach. Yeah, I can hear you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing. Listen what it tells us in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, but because of his, what? Great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy. I love this. God is rich in mercy. God is rich in the fact that he will not give us what we deserve. Because that's what mercy is. We don't get what we deserve. Why don't we get what we deserve? Because of his great love for us. How many of you really know God loves you? I mean, he really loves you. The Bible, again, is the only book that is written that reveals the author, that reveals the heart of the author, the nature of the author, being God. He so loved us. (laughs) He's rich in mercy and not giving us what we deserve. So we don't get what we deserve. We get something else. But listen to it. It says, can you go back just one verse for me, brother? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So God made us alive. We didn't do this. He made us alive. And this is good news for those of you who think that you've committed a sin that cannot be paid for, cannot be forgiven. I need you to know God is greater than anything you have ever done. And he planned to forgive us. He planned to restore us. He planned to reconcile us. He planned to give us life so you could be restored. How does this begin to happen? One is faith in his word. Those who hear his word and cling to and adhere to the fact that Jesus did exactly what the word says he was supposed to do. So he made us alive. So he started out by telling us about mercy and he ends these scriptures by telling us about grace. Mercy, we didn't get what we deserved. Grace is we got what we didn't deserve. We got his love. Restored to us. We got his, his, his relationship restored to us. Oh man, this stuff is so good. And it supersedes any kind of philosophy or ideology. This is absolute, plain, unadulterated truth. It is simply profound and profoundly simple. God wants you to have a relationship with him and he decided to give you the information that would sustain that that would give it life that would give it legs the word of God does just that when we understand just how beautiful it is I'm not done with you yet so don't run off I'm almost there though almost we're going to go to another verse that I think will help solidify what we're talking about today we're going to go to Galatians chapter 2 Galatians Chapter two. Walk along with me. (laughs) Paul says, 
I have been crucified with Christ. Have you? Have you died to that old way of thinking? Have you died to everything being about you? Because if you haven't, then you're hard at work trying to work your way back into the, the, the kindness of God. You're hard at work trying to do things on your own and that won't work. So Paul is giving us insight. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. Meaning I'm dead. That guy is dead. That guy who, who did all those things, who thought he was so important, all of that kind of stuff. That guy died. Listen what he says. It is no longer I who live. But Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, And reliance on and complete trust in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We got another verse we're going to read there in a second, but I need us to grasp that one. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I no longer live for me. I live for him. This life that we live right here, right now, should be a life lived for the glory of God. Well, Pastor Ben, that means I won't ever have any fun. I won't be allowed to do this. And See, this is not what that is about. God said he came that you would have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say I came that you would live like a hermit or a monk way up in the mountains, not interacting with people. No, he came that we would live abundantly. We would live a wonderful life. Hear me. This is real. And it's ours right now. We'll say, Pastor, I don't deserve that. I hear you because I don't either. (laughs) Nobody deserves it. But that's why it's called grace. We get what we don't deserve. But it's yours and I need you to accept it now. I need you to die to that old person who carries guilt and condemnation and rejection and lies and fears. Wondering about what other people are thinking about them. When they walk into a room, I wonder what that person's thinking. I wonder how they're feeling. Hear me today. Only thing you need to know is how God feels about you. And he said, nothing will separate you from his love. Let's read this last verse. You ready? Therefore, based on what we just got done saying, therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, the unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ, the Messiah, died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. What's that saying? If you think by following a whole bunch of rules, you can make yourself close to God, you're wrong. 
Because if you can make yourself close to God by following rules, then Jesus' death on the cross is vain to you. What did Jesus die for? It's his death and his resurrection that completes the totality of God's finished work. The death paid for our sins and reconciled us. The resurrection gave us life, eternal life. If you don't accept that, then the only other option you have is to try to restore your relationship to God by following rules. I'm here to tell you today, you could follow them all. Jesus made it plain to all of those people when he was talking about the Ten Commandments. Nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. Please understand what I'm saying. But Jesus said about thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you even think about it, you committed adultery. He heightened (laughs) the requirement of the law. And he placed it in a place that made it unachievable to us. And that's the purpose of the law was to show us what we weren't capable of doing. And point us to a Christ who would come and die for us and give his life for us. That would bring us out of the law, trying to keep, you know, law keeping concept and stand us in grace. So I need you to make that move with me today. Come out of rule keeping. Step in to grace. Listen, we've had a great time today. And I pray God that what we've talked about has blessed you and I hope it helps you. We're going to continue in this series, so I need you to come back next week. But what I need you to do right now is those of you who need to accept him, I need you to really do that. We have a decision team here at Tomoka. And all you have to do is... You know, get in contact with somebody who may be on the Internet with you right now or call the church and we will help you in that process. Accepting Christ is something you do by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. We then come aboard and help you with this discipleship path. We help you to grow and to mature as a Christian. But I need you to notice today. Hold on. I need you to know this. The second you say it, the second you accept him, everything we talked about today becomes yours. His death reconciles you. His life gives you eternal life. It is yours right now. But we're here to help you grow and mature in that discipleship path. So please contact somebody. Would you close your eyes as we pray? Father, we thank you today for all of those who are watching and sharing this time with us. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to give us insight and wisdom, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will let us know how much you truly do love us and how you moved us from death to life. Oh, what an incredible God you are. And we are so thankful that you love us as you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agree with the prayer, say it. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We'll see you next week.